everybody, and welcome back to Military Chats with Queen. For those of you who don't know, my name is Queen Ayana Sullivan, and I'm currently a graduate student here at the University of Kentucky. While here at UK, my subject population of interest are military families and specifically how they relate to mental disorders and my goal in this podcast series is to help end the stigma surrounding mental disorders within this population that we love. So previous episodes we have touched on depression and anxiety within the military community but today I would like to focus on trauma and stressor related disorders. So, this is the huge one, which everyone automatically thinks of whenever they hear military. Post-traumatic stress disorder. And with post-traumatic stress disorder, it is important to note that this has to have an onset of at least a month to um, really be effective and for treatment and things around that nature. So, why are we talking about this? Post-traumatic stress disorder is an intense response to a traumatic event that involves re-experiencing arousal and avoidance with that, with that specific event. So keeping this in mind, it can impact anyone over the age of six years old. Specifically surrounding PTSD, it might include um, exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence. And someone can get PTSD from it directly impacting you, you witnessing it happening to someone else, learning that a person close to you went through something traumatizing, or experiencing repeated or extreme exposure to something that is traumatizing you. Some symptoms of PTSD might look like recurrent distressing dreams or sleep disturbances, reoccurring flashbacks that you don't have control over, intense or prolonged distress at exposure to the to things that resemble what occurred. So if you were in a traumatizing situation and you saw a whole bunch of bells or a whole bunch of ringing, say you're shopping years later in a store and you hear or see a whole bunch of bells, that could trigger you and that can really upset you and cause some of these symptoms to flare up. Um, someone who's experiencing PTSD might also have persistent avoidance of stimuli associated with that traumatic event. So just like I said with the bells, if that were the case, if they were there when someone was being traumatized, they would avoid bells. Like they would do everything in their, in their, um, capability to avoid the bells. Someone also might experience some reckless behavior with their decision-making, their inability to remember important aspects of the traumatic event, and persistent negative emotional state or inability to experience positive emotions. So, with keeping all of that in mind, it is important because the top three three things that I think of when I think of PTSD are deployment, terrorist attacks, so 9-11, and military sexual trauma. Another thing to mention when talking about PTSD is that individuals with PTSD are 80% more likely than those without it to have symptoms that meet criteria for at least one other mental disorder. So that just goes to say that people who are experiencing PTSD 
most likely 80% of the time are also experiencing another mental disorder. And so touching into some disorders that might be comorbid with it are intermittent explosive disorder, major depressive disorder, panic disorders, generalized anxiety disorder, and substance use disorders. A lot of times people will use substances to try to help ease their symptoms or their pain that they're going through, but this can drastically backfire and can cause someone to increase their chances or likelihood of developing more disorders. In addition to this, someone might see some bipolar disorders or even sleep disorders. And that just kind of relates to how I touched on sleep disturbances. So what does the research say about PTSD? So trauma exposure generally, so the total number of traumatic events, not just combat exposure specifically, can predict aggressive behavior. And aggression is something that one might typically see as a result of PTSD or PTSD going long periods of time without being properly treated. In addition to this, it's important to recognize how different each war is within the military community. So, for example, the different wars and their different locations and their different time spans can drastically impact a person's life. Just personal experience that I have, my maternal grandfather served in the Vietnam War. And we all know that that was a war that was highly protested in the United States. A lot of people were not about it. A lot of people did not care for it. They did not want their children, their sons going overseas to fight this war. They felt it was unnecessary. It wasn't right. So my grandfather, he served in the military because um, he really had no other choice. He couldn't get a job. Um, it was very racist back then, and he pretty much he couldn't get hired doing anything besides driving a bus. So he went overseas to get a decent paycheck to support his family. And the Vietnam War shaped the rest of his life. To this day, he will not speak about it. And this was like even with my mother and my grandmother, no one really knows what he went through. We have a few pictures of him, but other than that, every time someone would ask him about it, the topic would change. He would get very, very upset. It was just something that we all knew as children. Do not ask him about it. So another point to touch on is that with the substance abuse, we know that that is ultimately a self-harming behavior. And this is something that can definitely impact soldiers because, or soldiers and our other service members, because we know that this is something that we see a lot from the military community when someone comes back from war. They are trying to self-medicate. They are trying to soothe it on their own because there is so much stigma around seeking mental health. And this is terrible. And it's just so upsetting. And hopefully this podcast can drastically help because I have had numerous friends over the years whose fathers go through the struggles of PTSD, but they just have to deal with it in silence and their families have to deal with the consequences of that. Touching on military sexual trauma, research has shown that those individuals who have experiences have had a nine times higher risk for PTSD compared to those without a history of sexual trauma. 
And then also sexual assault that has happened within military service presents a higher risk for PTSD than civilian sexual assault. And women with military sexual trauma have a higher rate of PTSD than women without military-related sexual traumas. So this all goes to say that military sexual trauma is drastically impacting people at insane, insane rates. These people who are experiencing this are just experiencing extreme levels of PTSD and the problem with the military when it comes to this is that a lot of times people do not come forward when this happens because of power dynamics. If someone were to disclose it, they have to worry about being outcasted. They have to worry about how it's going to affect the rest of their group. They have to worry about their consequences within the social aspects and just promotion going forward. There is a lot of slandering that can go along with someone's name. And this should not be the case, but it definitely is. And so it's just alarming because of the impacts this stays with someone for the rest of their life. And they need so much help. And just from what we are seeing and reading, people aren't always getting the help that they need because they're scared to let people know that something happened to them. Additionally, touching onto this point, for both female and male veterans, the risk of developing PTSD from sexual assault in the military is similar in magnitude to the risk of imparted um, combat trauma. So that just goes to say that these men and women who are being sexually assaulted are experiencing higher rates or similar rates to those people who are just going across seas to fight in wars. So someone who is getting sexually assaulted right here in the States are experiencing the same amount of trauma as someone who is being shot at. That's alarming. That's important. And that needs to be talked about. These are huge things that aren't getting the attention that they need. It's not being advertised anywhere. And programs need to be more widespread and they need to be spoken about. Lastly, it has been a topic of discussion that military sexual trauma differs from adult civilian sexual assault or childhood sexual assault. And so theorists and researchers are questioning whether civilian-based treatment is as effective as, per se, treatment dedicated specifically to veterans who have military sexual trauma-related PTSD. I think this is a really important point because I think it is it is important to note the differences. All kinds of sexual trauma have impacts, but there are differences and I believe that they should be treated differently when it comes to coping mechanisms and getting the help and support that people need to live their daily lives. So moving on to our next step of how do you treat it? Trauma is huge. Trauma needs unpacking, but it doesn't always happen in a very quick time span. So if someone does want to go seek professional help, they can start by going to see someone and going through a clinical interview, maybe partaking in exposure therapy. There is cognitive therapy. There is stress inoculation training. 
And so that kind of looks like working on breathing exercises, role-playing, relaxation techniques, and exercises. There's also EMDR therapy. Um, If someone would like to try that, there's a whole bunch of different things. Biofeedback training. In addition, um, research has shown that antidepressant medication can also help people struggling with PTSD. In terms of if someone would like to go and do some type of treatment at home by themselves before stepping up to this level of treatment, they could engage in self-guided positive talk. They could try meditation. They could try exercising. Um, They can try different types of art therapy. And then pets. Pets, of course, people love their emotional support animals. I love emotional support animals. They do a great job of helping our service members. They are not just for people who have lost limbs because mental illness is just as important as physical illness. That is not emphasized enough and it's important to note. And so emotional support animals can definitely help people struggling with PTSD. They can be trained properly to know what triggers you, to know what upsets you, what things you need when you're having a harder day. And so everything around that nature, there are definitely options when it comes to PTSD. And I think that the fact that it is spoken about, but not all aspects of PTSD are spoken about, needs to change. So it's not just deployment that triggers people. It's not just being actually in war zones. There are many more things that have to do with stress and trauma that go unacknowledged in public eye. And that needs to change. But once again, I thank you all so, so much for listening in to what we're talking about today. This is just a little tidbit of what we can talk about when it comes to PTSD. These are some key points that I found really interesting and really important, but we could really go on to talk about this for hours and days and weeks and much, much more. But I hope you all had a really good time listening in and you found some of this information beneficial and something that you can take with you into your everyday lives. Thanks for listening and I hope you have a great day.